Thank you so much for those great songs this morning, worship team. If you guys uh, came to see Pastor Jason cry this morning, you came to the wrong service. I uh, think I used up most of my tears first hour this morning. Uh, but man, those, those songs this morning uh, meant a lot to me. Uh, just the great promises of uh, who God is and his faithfulness and his goodness. Those, are, uh, those truths are so powerful. And uh, our family has been uh, living in the reality of a lot of those uh, truths of trials and seeking God's faithfulness in the midst of uh, the hurts and the pains. Uh, some of you know about a month ago my wife was diagnosed with breast cancer and we are early on in the journey of uh, fighting this, uh, this disease and it's been tough to be honest with you. Uh, we're two rounds into our chemo treatments and it just, uh, you know, the physical toll is uh, starting to hit and emotionally uh, it's just beating us up, and you guys, uh, I, I just can't tell you what you as a church family have meant to us uh, the past few weeks. Just your love, your prayers, your, your kindness, your gifts, taking care of our kids, uh, bringing meals over. Uh, man, we, we have seen God use his people in, in a powerful way in our lives, and um, you know, God is using this time. He's refining us. He's teaching us new things, and we're seeing uh, the truth of his word in new ways, and uh, you as a church are a big part of that, so I'm just very thankful for you guys. And, uh, but man, you know, it, it's crazy when you think about how fast life can change, you know? I mean, literally, like, in a blink of an eye, everything can change. We, uh, a month ago, we went from planning summer vacations and all these fun activities we had in mind to literally the next day planning chemo appointments and hospital visits and all that garbage that goes along with it. And uh, we've been riding this uh, emotional roller coaster. So, uh, yeah, as I just said, just, just thanks for your prayers and, and just pray for my wife especially. Uh, you know, and my wife and my kids, uh, it's tough. You know, she's having a, she's having a hard time with all this, so. Um, we covet your prayers. You know, the, the passage we're going to be looking at this morning is really interesting because about a month ago when Pastor Rick first assigned me this uh, chapter, Haggai chapter 2, I took a look at it and I thought, you know, good passage, temples and runes, rebuild the temple, the Messiah is coming, God has these, you know, and, and I thought, you know, hey, this is going to be a fun passage to preach, but I'll tell you something, in the last couple of weeks as I've been looking at this passage, God has been teaching me some new things about his faithfulness in the midst of the rubble of our lives, and, uh, and that's really what I want to share with you guys this morning. I just want to, I want to share with you some of the things that God's been revealing to me, and, and I do that this morning uh, because I know that I'm not the only one who is living in the midst of the rubble here this morning. Um, our family's experience is not unique. I know there are a lot of us here this morning who are dealing with some very difficult times, whether it be health struggles, uh, marriage struggles, the loss of a loved one, the loss of a job, financial uh, struggles. Um, all of us here know what it is to wrestle with those times of fear and discouragement. And, and, and sometimes we wonder, you know, what's God doing and where is he? And, uh, and that's just a common reality for a lot of us. And it was a common reality 2,500 years ago for God's people 
when the prophet Haggai wrote the words that we're going to look at this morning. Uh, you know, last week, if you were here, we started this series looking at the book of Haggai. And uh, if you recall what, what happened, the Jews, they had been in captivity in Babylon for 70 years. And God had miraculously released them out of captivity, brought them back to the promised land. And he had commanded them to rebuild Jerusalem, to rebuild the temple. And 16 years had gone by since they had returned to Jerusalem. And the temple still lay there in a heap of ruins. The people had started the work initially, but then they got distracted. They got off course by focusing on all of their own priorities, their careers, their jobs, their material possessions, their homes, their fields, their wealth. And 16 years went by and they had completely neglected God's command to rebuild the temple. And so God, last week, what we saw is God, sometimes God comes and he gives us a swift kick in the backside, you know what I'm saying? And that's what he did last week. He goes to the Jews and he says, you guys got to get your act together, right? You got to get your priorities together and get back to work and you got to put me first before your stuff, right? And if you recall last week, Pastor Rick talked about how after Haggai's first prophecy, there was this spiritual revival that took place amongst the Jewish people. I mean, the revival swept through, the spirit swept through, and the people were united and they began to work once again on rebuilding the temple. But what we're going to see today is that reality of how quickly things can change in life, right? Because in Haggai chapter 2, what we find is less than three weeks goes by. Less than three weeks goes by, and the Jews are sitting amidst the rubble of the temple, and they're defeated, and they're discouraged, they're fearful, and they're losing hope. Only three weeks after this revival had broken out. You know, like we talked about, how quickly things in life can change, you know what I'm saying? But here's the deal God, He is so cool. You know, God knows our hearts. God knows exactly what his people need all the time. And you know, back in week one, chapter one, God knew the Jews, they needed a swift kick in the rear to get their act together. But here in chapter two, we're going to see God speak to the Jews in a different way. God doesn't come this week with a message of, hey, come on, crack the whip, get back to work. God sees their hearts and he sees their discouragement and he sees their fear and their hurt. And God comes alongside of them and he gives them a big hug. And he promises his faithfulness and his presence and he cheers them on and encourages them to keep going. God is so great, you know, he knows exactly what we need. You know, there have been times in my life I've needed that swift kick in the rear to get going again. And there are other times, like I'm living right now, where I just need God to come alongside me and remind me it's going to be okay because he cares about me. Let's take a look at this uh, passage from Haggai chapter 2. And I want to come and make some highlights from this passage this morning for us that I pray will be an encouragement to all of you as well as you face the reality of your own rubble pile that maybe you're experiencing right now. And and if you're not experiencing your own rubble pile right now, just kind of tuck this away for the future because I can promise you guys it'll it'll come. It'll come. Haggai chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. On the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, to Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people. Ask them, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem like nothing? 
Now, here's the key, friends. Go back to that last slide for a second. This wasn't God saying the temple looks like nothing. What God is doing here through the prophet Haggai is he's basically asking rhetorical questions. He's restating for the Jews what they themselves were grumbling about. Look at this heap of runes we got here, right? We're supposed to be rebuilding this temple. There were people among them who had seen the temple 70 years earlier, some of the older folks, and they were grumbling. They were saying, this isn't anything close to the glory of the temple we used to have. And they were discouraged. And that discouragement was infecting everybody else around them. And they're sitting in this heap of rubble just lamenting the fact that it's never going to be the way it was. You've been there before? (laughs) Never going to be the way it was? Man. But here's what God says. But now be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. And work, for I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt. And my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations. And the desire of all nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house, what you see as a pile of rubble, will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. In the midst of the rubble, of the temple, in the midst of their discouragement, in the midst of their fears and dismay, God shares three powerful promises with the Jewish people. And as we're going to see this morning, God's promises hold true for our lives as well, for those times when we find ourselves in the midst of the rubble of life. I want to point out these three promises for us that we see here in this passage this morning. Number one, In the midst of pessimism, God brings his presence. In the midst of pessimism, God brings his presence. Verse 4 says this, But now be strong, Zerubbabel declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. And work, for I am with you. Now remember, back in chapter 1, God said basically the same thing. Get back to work, right? But in chapter 1, he's cracking the whip. He's like, you guys, are your priorities are all out of whack here, and it's time to get back to work. Get your priorities straight, right? But this isn't that kind of get back to work, cracking the whip. Here God is saying, I know you're beat up, and I know you've been carrying a pile of rubble around, clearing the old ruins of the old temple for the last three weeks, and I know it doesn't look like anything special right now, but I am with you. And so press on. That's what God is saying here. Work. He's saying press on. Don't give up. I am with you. My presence is with you. Now, friends, I'm not exactly sure that's what the Jews wanted to hear in that particular moment, right? I mean, they're sitting in the middle of this pile of rubble left over from the destruction of Solomon's temple, and I would be willing to bet the Jews were probably thinking, that's it? You're with us? God, what about all this mess we're sitting in here? Right? I mean, God, aren't you going to do something about this? 
You know, maybe, God, you could just miraculously remove this pile of rubble. You know, God, we've seen you do miracles. Maybe you could just miraculously rebuild the temple for us and, and make it bigger and glory, more glorious than Solomon's temple. God, why don't you just do that, God? Why don't you just take us out of this rubble? But you see, friends, sometimes while God changes our circumstances, other times he just says, trust me, because I am with you. I'm with you. You're not in this pile of rubble alone. I'm right there with you. The good news that Haggai declares to the Jews here, the good news for us today, is God's promise that in the midst of the trials of life, he's with us. And here's the cool thing, friends. God's presence always changes the score. It doesn't matter the trial you're in. It doesn't matter the heartache you're experiencing. It doesn't matter the loss, the frustration, the fear. God's presence changes the score. You guys know I've shared this many times in my sermons up here that I'm a Green Bay Packer fan. And, uh, you know, last year our team, the Packers, we were this close, man. We were this close to making the Super Bowl. If you follow the Packers, you might recall last year that right before the Packers started their playoff run, I mean, they had had this terrific season, and right before the playoffs, Aaron Rodgers suffered this severe ankle sprain. And people were wondering if he was even going to be able to play in the playoffs. I remember reading an article before the playoffs began last year where Sports Illustrated was interviewing some of the Las Vegas odds makers. And now I don't know about much about betting and gambling, but the article went on to say that for the, for the odds makers in Las Vegas, just having Aaron Rodgers present on the field is worth seven and a half points every game to the Green Bay Packers. Just having his presence on the field automatically, boom, we give him seven and a half points. That's how much of a difference one star quarterback can make. Now, friends, let me ask you a question. If that's the difference a star quarterback can make for a football team, how much more do you think the presence of the God of the universe can make in our lives as we face the challenges and the trials and the rubble of life? We're not talking about a quarterback. We're talking about the God who made the heavens and the earth. And he says, do not fear. I am with you. Press on, work, don't be discouraged. See, friends, God may not change our circumstances, but his presence changes everything. This is what King David understood and when he wrote those great words, Psalm 23. Many of you have Psalm 23 memorized, I'm sure. Friends, keep in mind the context, Psalm 23. David had been anointed the future king of Israel. King Saul didn't like that idea. And King Saul tries to kill David. David runs for his life out into the wilderness and Saul sends his soldiers in pursuit, hunting him down to kill him. And as he is hiding in the valleys and the caves of the Judean desert, David writes these powerful words, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. God was with him. And David understood that God's presence changes everything. 
when I was 12 years old, my family was out at a family camp in California. My dad was a speaker, and he was the speaker for the family camp this particular week. And one afternoon, my little brother and I and a couple of our buddies we had met there, we decided we were going to go and uh, check out the ropes course at this camp. And uh, the ropes course at this camp, they had a particular uh, obstacle there at the ropes course they called the pamper pole. Now, the pamper pole was really basically a 30-foot-tall telephone pole. You know, kind of having a wider base, and as you got more further up the top, it started shrinking, getting more and more narrow, until at the very top, 30 feet up in the air, there was about a 10-inch wide base, and the goal of the pamper pole was to climb the pegs up to the very top of the pamper pole. You're wearing a harness, you got a safety rope on, and, and uh, you get to the top of the pamper pole, and you need to step up onto the top and then stand up and then jump off five feet out from the pamper pole as a trapeze that you're supposed to grab, right? So I'm 12 years old, I'm with my buddies, my little brother, and we're thinking, hey, this is going to be great, let's try the pamper pole. So I get up there, you know, and, and I start making my way up the pamper pole and climbing up, you know, and I get to the top, and, and I'm standing there, right? And as you get further up, this thing starts shaking in the wind and wobbling, you know what I'm saying? And I'm up there riding this pamper pole, and the instructor down below me, he's like, all right, now just put your leg up and stand up. It's real easy. And I'm like, yeah, it is real easy. I'm like paralyzed with fear, right? I can't move. And my brother and the instructor and all my buddies are like, go for it. You can do it, right? I'm up there for five minutes, and they're all yelling at me down below, and I can't move. I start bawling like a little baby. I'm crying because I'm just paralyzed with fear. Well, finally, after about 10 minutes, the instructor lets me out of my misery and he lowers me down to the ground, you know, breathe a big sigh of relief. The next day, I decide to go back to the pamper pole. But the next day, my dad's with me. And I go back to the pamper pole, and this time I put my harness on, I got the safety rope, the instructor has me, I start climbing up the pamper pole, and I get to the top of the pamper pole. And I'm sitting there and I'm shaking and I'm so scared and I'm crying and the instructor's like, you can do it. And I'm just terrified. But then I look down and I see my dad. And my dad says, Jason, you can do it, pal. I'm proud of you, pal, you can do it. I put my feet up on that ledge and I stood up. And I jumped out and I missed the trapeze bar and went falling to the ground. (laughs) but I conquered my fear. Friends, what had changed? It was the exact same pamper pole, exact same harness, the exact same rope, same instructor. Nothing in my circumstances had changed except my dad was with me. And the presence of my dad inspired courage. Gave me the courage to go for it, to press on. You know, friends, sometimes God will allow us to go through trials in our lives. But he also promises us, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And when you think about the Jews' experience, they had been in captivity in Babylon for 70 years. 70 years. But during that time, God had never once left them. I mean, remember some of the great stories. Daniel went into the lion's den. But he didn't go in alone. God was right there with him. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. But they didn't go alone. God was right there with them. Queen Esther goes into the court of King Xerxes. But she doesn't go alone. God 
was right there with her. And the Jews were sitting in the midst of the rubble of the temple and they were defeated and they were discouraged, but they were not alone. God says, take courage, press on. I am right here with you. And friends, I tell you something this morning, the same God who was there for the Jews promises us his presence as well as we face the rubble in our own lives. Promise number two we see in our passage this morning. In the midst of fear, God brings his faithfulness. In the midst of fear, God brings his faithfulness. Check out Haggai verse five. Verse five, please. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. Here God reminds the Jewish people of his faithfulness in two ways. Number one, his faithfulness to his promises And number two, his faithfulness in his past acts on their behalf. God says, I made a covenant with you. And I keep my word. And I rescued you. I delivered you out of Egypt. Now, friends, you wouldn't think that God would have to remind the Jews of those realities, would you? I mean, think about what they had seen, what they had experienced. They had seen God rescue them from Pharaoh in Egypt. They had seen God part the Red Sea and lead them through on dry land. They had seen God provide for them for 40 years, wandering in the wilderness with miraculous manna from heaven, leading them by day with a pillar of cloud, leading them at night with a pillar of fire. They had seen God usher them into the promised land, conquering the Canaanites. They had seen all of these incredible miracles, and yet now as they sit in the midst of the rubble of the temple they're defeated and they're discouraged and they're afraid they got enemies all around them you know we don't have time to be worrying about this temple we got to worry about all these people around us who don't want us here and God says do not fear I promised you I am with you and you have seen my faithfulness in the past and friends I tell you something It's so easy for us as human beings to forget. You know, isn't that just human nature? It's so easy for us to forget God's promises of faithfulness and all of the incredible acts he's done on our behalf. And so just like the Jews, sometimes we too need reminders of that. Three weeks ago, I'm sitting right over here. I was either in this row or right over in this row, and it was the week right after my wife had been diagnosed with cancer. And it was me, and I had my two kids with us, and it was a tough Sunday. I was choking back tears the whole morning as the worship team singing, and two days earlier, my wife had gone to see her personal physician, and her personal doctor had got the initial reports of her cancer and basically told us that we needed to prepare for the worst. It's an aggressive cancer. It's not looking good. So the unknown is obviously like some of the hardest part of this whole deal. And so I'm sitting here on Sunday morning and I'm thinking we're going to the oncologist tomorrow and I might need to be going home tomorrow evening to tell my kids that mom's not going to be around much longer. And as I'm sitting here literally discouraged in my own pile of rubble just like the Jews, friends, I kid you not, God just came up right next to me and put his arm around me, and he whispered a word of encouragement to my spirit that morning. And he said, Jason, haven't I always been faithful to you in the past? Jason, will you trust me now with your wife? 
And as we were worshiping, God just started running this like mental movie projector through my mind of all these ways that he's provided for me in the past. I mean, he, he reminded me of how he brought Kim and I together to begin with. I have no business being with Kim today, right? I mean, that, that whole story, that's a miracle in and of itself, how Kim and I came together. I'll have to tell you that one someday, right? And then, I, and then God started running this movie, bringing me here to Lakes Free. I, you, you guys realize the only reason I'm here preaching this morning is because when I was a senior in high school, I was on a three-week mission trip in Guatemala, and I missed my freshman orientation at Bethel University. And so my dad, he went for me. He signed me up in a dorm room with a kid by the name of Matt Carlson. My dad figured his name's Carlson. He can't be all that bad. So he signs me up to live with this kid named Matt Carlson. I end up meeting Matt, who is the son of Wade and Roxy Carlson from our church. Because of my relationship with them over all those years, we end up moving to Lindstrom. Two years after that, I'm at Wade's gas station getting gas one morning, heading over to my other church where I used to work. And Wade says, hey, Jason, yesterday our associate pastor told us he was resigning. Would you have any interest in working at Lakes Free? Friends, do not tell me that God doesn't have plans and purposes for our lives. I won't buy it. I started thinking about four years ago when my dad died unexpectedly, just turned 61 years old, and I started thinking about all the ways that God has been faithful, caring for my mom, for our family in these last four years. Jason... Will you trust me now? You know, friends, when we find ourselves in the midst of the rubble of a life, this is precisely when we need to remember God's faithfulness in his his promises and in his past acts on our behalf. You know, consider some of God's promises to us. What has God promised us? Look at this incredible verse from Isaiah. I found this this week, Isaiah 46, 3 through 4. Listen to me, you descendants of Jacob, all the remnant of the people of Israel, you whom I have upheld since your birth and have carried since you were born, even to your old age and gray hairs, I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I have made you and I will carry you. I will sustain you and I will rescue you. Isn't that awesome? God says, even to your old age and gray hairs, I'm with you. I will sustain you. I'm faithful. Friends, look around this room. We got a lot of old gray-haired folks around here this morning, (laughs) right? And I'll tell you something. You young people who are here this morning, I would bet if you ask any of these older folks with gray hair here this morning, what are you still doing here, right? I mean, how old are you? Paul, how old are you? 60-something, right? Paul, what are you still doing here in your old age of gray hair? And I guarantee you, Paul would say, it's because God has always been faithful, And that's why I'm still here, because he's never let me down. And young people, you need to know that. You're going to go through trials in life. You're going to wake up one morning at 39 years old, and you might have a diagnosis of cancer that you weren't expecting. And at that point, you need to decide, who am I going to place my trust in? And who am I going to look to for encouragement and support as I face my trial in life? And friends, I tell you what, that's where the body of Christ is such a powerful encouragement. And I can't tell you how many of you older folks have ministered to my life and my wife and our kids in recent days and weeks by your words of promise and hope because you've been there and you've shared with us that God is faithful and he's going to be faithful to you too. Man, God is incredible. One of the greatest promises in the Bible is one that we just so often overlook, but it was Jesus' last words to his followers in Matthew 28, 20. Jesus says, and surely I am with you always, always, 
Not sometimes, not in the good times, not when things are going great and your bank account's full and your marriage is going well and your kids are happy, right? God says, I am with you always, even in the rubble. I am with you always. What an incredible promise that we can hold on to, that we can put our hope in. Friends, these are God's promises and his promises are trustworthy. One of the greatest promises of our great God is his unchanging nature. Friends, the reason we can trust God and his promises is because he does not change. Look at these incredible words from scripture, Malachi 3.6, I, the Lord, do not change. Numbers 23.19, God is not a man. He does not change his mind. James 1.17, God does not change like shifting shadows. Friends, what does all this mean? It means that when God makes a promise, you can take it to the bank. God is trustworthy because he does not change. And when he declares his faithfulness, friends, we can count on that for all time. How about God's actions? How has God acted on our behalf? Let me ask you a question. Where have you seen God's faithfulness in your life in the past? Has God ever shown up for you in a miraculous way? Has God ever provided a special victory in your life? You know, friends, when we look to God's past victories in our lives, it reminds us that the same God who fought for us then still fights for us today. One of my, one of my favorite stories in the Bible, 1 Samuel 17, the story of David and Goliath, right? How many of you guys like David and Goliath? Great story, right? Here's Goliath, he's this giant, he's standing out in the middle of this valley for over a month talking trash about Israel and Israel's God and the Israelites are dismayed and terrified by this single man in the middle of this valley and all of a sudden this junior high age shepherd boy comes along named David and David said, who is this guy talking trash about our God? And David says, nobody's gonna go fight him, I'll go fight him. And Saul says, you can't go fight that guy. He's huge. You're just a little junior high shepherd boy. And what does David say? David says, Saul, I was once guarding my father's sheep when a lion came and tried to steal the sheep from my father's flock. And David said, you know what? God helped me destroy that lion. And there was another time I was watching my father's sheep and a bear came and tried to eat the sheep and God helped me defeat that bear. And David says to Saul, if God can deliver me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, God can deliver this uncircumcised Philistine here today as well. David recalled God's past victories in his life and that inspired him to great courage and great hope. What past victories of God can you recall in your life? And as you remember those victories, take courage knowing that the God who fought for you then still fights for you today. He will be faithful no matter the giant you face, no matter the pile of rubble you might find yourself in. Promise number three this morning. In the midst of discouragement, God brings declarations of hope. Declarations of hope. Verses six through nine. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations and the desired of all nations will come and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, declares the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace 
declares the Lord Almighty. You see, friends, what the Jews could not see in the midst of the rubble around them was that God had a plan for them. The temporary suffering that they were experiencing was part of something way bigger than they even understood. What they saw as rubble, God saw as stepping stones. You get that? What they saw as rubble, God saw as stepping stones. Everything the Jews were experiencing was ultimately part of God's design to bring about the salvation of the world, to bring the Messiah, Jesus Christ, into the world. And God would shake the nations, like he said. And he would once again fill his temple with glory. He did that. You see, 200 years after the time of Haggai, 330 B.C., a guy by the name of Alexander the Great comes along. And God used Alexander the Great to shake the nations. And the Greek Empire spread and conquered the whole known world. And Alexander the Great forced everyone to learn a common language, Koine Greek. And God was using that in preparation for the sharing of the gospel. 300 years after that, 27 BC, the Roman Empire would arise and God would once again shake the nations as the Roman Empire would conquer the whole known world and bring about an era known as the Pax Romana, the Roman peace. And the Romans would build roads and infrastructure and aqueducts and a postal system and a police force for safe travel. And God used the Roman Empire to prepare the world for the spread of the gospel just like the Apostle Paul says in Galatians 4, verse 4, in the fullness of time, God sent his Son. And his glory once again filled the temple when Jesus Christ came and proclaimed salvation in the courts of what was once a pile of rubble. And Jesus proclaimed salvation through faith in him, a relationship with God through the forgiveness of our sins through his Son, Jesus Christ. See, friends, God is sovereign over all. Nothing in history happens outside of God's providential care and guidance. God is in control of all things, and he has a plan and purpose for all things, even the rubble in our lives. Our rubble is God's building blocks. When we say why, God says wait and just watch. Just watch what I'm going to do. This is why even when we find ourselves struggling to make sense of the rubble in our lives, we need to trust him. We need to trust in his declarations of hope. What declarations of hope has the Lord given us? Look at some of these passages from Scripture. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Romans 8, 28, And we know that in all things, not some things, In all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. James 1, 2-4, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Friends, nothing in our lives happens outside of God's watchful eye. There is no trial, there is no heartbreak, there is nothing you will ever experience that isn't first filtered through God's love for you and his eternal plan for your life. And you see, this is the key to embracing the rubble of life. This is the key to even finding joy in the midst of the rubble of life. It's understanding that nothing enters our lives that isn't first father filtered. 
Nothing enters our lives that isn't a part of God's master plan for shaping you into the person he wants you to be for all of eternity. You need to know that. Really interesting, this last week I had the privilege of going and visiting my friend Josh Sorderlin at his wood carving business. A lot of you guys know Josh and Jason Sorderlin. They have the wood carving shop right on Highway 8. You see all the cool wood carvings out there along Highway 8. Josh Soderlin here at our church, uh, he took me and he was showing me their process of how they, you know, take these, you know, stumps of wood and they turn them into these awesome carvings, right? And he explained to me as we walked through this shop, you know, they use tools like, like the mallet and the chisel. And using a simple mallet and a chisel, they'll work a block of wood like this and start carving away at it until ultimately they have this beautiful finished product. All with a chisel and a hammer. Isn't that incredible? I mean, I'm telling you, you guys got to go stop and see their shop sometime. It's really incredible. But as I was walking around the shop and I'm thinking about my sermon for this morning, I started thinking to myself, how similar is that to the way God works in our lives? You know, there's so many times in our lives where God takes the hammer and he takes the chisel and he starts his carving process. He starts his refining process. He starts working our lives, his process of turning us into the creation, the person that he wants us to be for all of eternity. And you know, sometimes it hurts, you know, sometimes that chisel pounds and we're like, God, what are you doing? You know, God, I'm all good here. Look at me, I'm this nice block of wood, you know, I'm, I'm good, God. You can lay off the hammer and chisel thing for a little while. But see, friends, we often have such a short-sighted view of God's plan for our lives, You know, we oftentimes think, this is all good. You know, what more do I need? But God says, no, you don't understand. I have something eternal in mind for you. I have something so much grander in mind for you. And your temporary trials are just a part of my refining process in your life to produce for you the person that I want you to be for all of eternity. You know, there are going to be times in life, friends, where God is going to allow you to go through some trials. And you're not always going to understand why. This is why we need to hold on to promises like 2 Corinthians chapter 4 where the Apostle Paul says, Therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary but what is unseen is eternal. God may allow you to experience some very difficult times in your life. He might apply the hammer. He might apply the chisel. And you're not always going to understand why. And it's in these times where we need to put our hope in the promises of Scripture, Proverbs, uh, promises like Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. But in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. God loves you, friends. He has a plan. He has a purpose. He's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. Trust in him. Trust in his faithfulness. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the great promises that you give us here in Haggai chapter 2 these words of hope, these words of encouragement, these reminders of your faithfulness. Jesus, would you instill us with great courage today as we face the trials in our own lives, Lord. 
God, I pray especially for those folks here this morning who may be sitting in their own big pile of rubble right now. And God, would you just come close to them this morning? And would you just encourage them with your words of hope, with your words of truth? Help them to trust in you and know that you are faithful. You are God, no matter what. We thank you for these promises. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to leave you with these words from the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 41. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear. I will help you. Amen.